Welcome back to the second in this 10-part series that I'm calling Retrospective because it's about looking back. This episode, we discuss about whether or not at the end of our master's degree, we felt prepared for the quote-unquote real world. What those the paths of our lives post-graduation looked like and maybe what could have been more emphasized or been done that might have been more useful or offered in that education to make it so that our careers and lives may have gone smoother, easier, whatever kind of phrase you want to put to it. In this episode, in this order, you will hear from Peter Wu, Lizea Lyons, Allison Goldberg, Barbara Bartos, Joram Wahlberger, Amanda Marchand, Mira Hecht, Sonia Heinrichsen, Brett Gottschall, and Ricardo Rivera. Do you feel that graduate school sort of prepared you for the real art industry? And Absolutely if not. not. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Well, I sort of caught that that was going to be the answer, but yeah. yeah. The, but if not, yeah. what could they have done better or differently, or how could it have been done in a way that would be more preparatory? For me, you know, it would have been nice if they, you know, had some kind of, I mean, the, the critical classes they had and about theory and stuff, that was very helpful for me to kind of figure out what I was doing and, and what I wanted to do. But I think classes like preparing you how to have skills that, that, that relate to art, that would have been nice. Or, or even financial planning, that would have been great. <laughs> you know? Contract law. Yeah. Or just telling you how the, maybe the art world works a little bit, just a little bit. And we don't need to have a lot of classes like that, but just you know, something kind of summary of, all those three things and, and being able to uh, have a little bit of uh, a more knowledge walking into it so that, you know, artists, some artists out of grad school, I didn't do it, but some out of grad, grad school, like they took their portfolio galleries. And now, you know, that doesn't, you don't do that. You know what I mean? You don't have that in that uh, leather, leather envelope and you're, you're passing things around. You, you don't do that. So there's ways of conducting yourself, obviously. And I wish there was more like just a practical class to kind of tie within everything else. I mean, just since I started this podcast, like what, two and a half years ago now, I have learned so many things that I did wrong in my career. Like, yeah. holy shit. Yeah. I wish that it, like, basically I wish this podcast had existed when I was in school so that I could yeah. have heard all these like realities of the way it was yeah. such as, grants like they didn't teach yep. us how to write grants nope. they didn't teach us the they they always they always said oh you should do a residency i remember a lot of the pre, the people saying like, oh you should apply for residency but they never told us why residencies were important mm -hmm. like and mm -hmm. they are like yeah jesus oh, yeah yeah it's it's a I mean, I'm a professor now, and so yeah. like part of this is that I want to understand how it works so that when I'm teaching, that I'm yeah. teaching the right things, basically. Yeah. Something like this podcast would have been extremely helpful 
and and just having some more of a more reality based and and actually teachers like kind of being more vulnerable about their own careers and how they've gone through because you know a lot of these professors are you know they they are trying to either relive or kind of explain their their history also but not not really talk about the things that that, that the hiccups you know they're just trying to highlight the best things and that's great we want to hear that but you know, a little vulnerability would have been nice. <laughs> it, it does feel like they were building their own sort of egos and sort of talking about the great parts, and they didn't yep. really ever talk about any of the difficulties. Yep. I do remember one professor talking about having problems with a landlord for their studio and that how that was a, an issue, but that's about mm-hmm. it. I think that's actually changing now. I think there are some institutions that are are trying to bring in a little bit more practical practicality in it. I do a lot of talks at university, so I do I do spend some time talking about the, the hiccups and and just being a person of of color and culture that the difficulties in that also and navigating this this world because a lot of the time this world isn't really built for people like me or 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 women or queer or trans people it's it does not really accepting too much you may be hot at certain points but it's just like as, as a sustainability it's not the same thing as for um you know a, a white boy painter or something like that you know what i'm saying so it's 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 a lot more difficult to navigate and and trying to build a community and also you know going through art school and and learning western art and and that's and then that being positioned as you know the the best and that's the only thing that that matters is is really quite ignorant and i think that's changing too i think in, in a lot of spaces and a lot of schools are changing that ideology which is great but you know there still has to be a fundamental thing that changes from the top and bottom that has it, it requires more representation in this in the world itself so and i think we're working towards that the gallery that i do uh, the virtual gallery 90 percent are women queer trans and artists of color so I'm trying to give back and reflect back on that a little bit. So, yeah. I was listening to you talk to other people about that. Like we had that one class, Professional Practices for Artists. And it was like, who was it? Lance Funk, Ray Beldner, who did not get along. And I remember learning to make slide labels, like, which about set me over the edge because I couldn't line them up in the printer properly. And so... You know, it's all changed since then. Like, I don't know what I got out of that class. Okay, well, let's let's roll with that. If you had the chance to go back and teach in an art school right now, what kind of things would you choose to be putting more emphasis on? I think because there, as you said, there's so much stuff out there. There's so much visual stuff out there, what I think students need help with is critiquing what they're consuming and being critical viewers. I think there needs to be more emphasis on critically consuming culture, not just about making it because there's so many people out there putting stuff into the world. Anyone, as you said, anyone can be a photographer, you know, anyone can be a writer because there's blogs and anyone can, you know, but how do we 
how do we sift through all of this and decide what's what are the important voices and what are the like what you know what's really important i feel like that that is not that was not emphasized at all yeah i mean i've learned the benefit of curators and sort of the taste makers and stuff like this but the problem with that 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 i find is that that then also becomes another form of cult of personality and popularity sure. contests that sure. like I was horrible in high school. I never fit in in high school. And now basically I feel like that's just translated into a larger, more adult version of high school that I call mm -hmm. the art world mm -hmm. that I also don't fit into any cliques or groups in the same mm -hmm. way. And I feel like a lot of us sort of end up in that either we're in the in group or we're in the out group and that's it that there's, and there's no changing that system, unfortunately. But if the in-group ultimately only means perpetuating the status quo and making money, who wants to be in the in-group anyways? Well, it doesn't necessarily mean making money. It means maybe having uh, institutional exhibitions and th and publishing books, let's say, you know, so like creating monographs. I mean, there are lots of other sort of what I consider like in-group things like I know people, I met this one girl, I couldn't, or no, the, it was this couple from Israel. They literally have, they don't have an apartment. Okay. So they, they have no home uh -huh. and they just go from residency to residency, to residency, residency, and they just live that way. And is that, do they, do they enjoy that? They love it. Uh -huh, they uh -huh. Love it. Uh -huh. And I'm just like, that's an amazing, I mean, and they even designed their art to make it, they, they do soft sculptures. So uh -huh. like fabric based sculptures. So what they do is they take all the stuffing out of them, put it in a suitcase, take it to the next place, put the stuffing back in, put it, put up an exhibition, then take the stuffing out. And they, they just keep, and the, that's the way they work. And I'm like, so they actually created an art practice to revolve around their idea of desire to like travel the world and mm -hmm. do all these things. I'm like, an amazing idea why couldn't somebody come up with that a long time ago mm -hmm. so cool i think i would have liked someone tell me to make a plan <laughs> i've never made a plan i've never been told i should uh, i never not even the idea of like where do you want to be this kind of question Probably at 18, somebody would laugh. I would have laughed. Somebody would ask me this. But by the time you apply for a grad school, you should have an idea. So that those two years, you build them in a structured way. Uh, especially considering the American system of, of four years of do whatever the hell you want and master, you focus on something. So I had a lot of that already from my business. You know, I, I, I did contracts and I talked to lawyers about contracts and I, I did marketing for myself because I had to go and get work. So a lot of that I didn't need from the school. I didn't expect the school. Really what I wanted is to talk about art and hear critique. So I'm different than a lot of the other students that I think should have, could have benefited from more. I don't even remember we had a class about all that stuff, which I think later maybe they did in other school I know they do, right? We did have one class one semester 
called professional artist i think is what it was called okay i didn't take those because i didn't even i was not interested i knew how to do it you know on for i was already doing design by then let's say i mean they were talking about 2000 so i graduated probably 11 12 years so i was already senior in as a designer in that sense i had my own studio one man studio but i did run a project with other other people you know like hiring other people so i oversaw other people so all that like paperwork taxes sending up your book portfolio all that stuff i did before and while i was in in art institute so i really didn't i didn't go to that class i probably could have taught the teacher you know because i already had the experience and it was it wasn't theoretical it was practical experience so in that sense i'm i cannot answer your question i think from an from looking from the outside yes they could have given the student more for me one of the things that i was uh, missing the art institute and not because i liked it so much but now i know i should have got more is the academics i think and again not because of the instructors i had amazing instructor anna novakov and the others more how the curriculum and also the students there again i remember a class and again i was maybe older and more mature than some of them especially when i took with the ba students the academic class i remember standing in class and telling the class like can you guys start talking because i'm the only one who's talking here and this is not going to work if only i talk and the teacher so i forgot the name so she came and stood behind me and she was like i'm going to hide behind your arm right now and and she, you know that always bothered me when there's they're just sitting there and they're just expecting like we talked about the spoiled part expecting the instructor to do the work for them and not realizing that we all suffer from it if you, there's no discussion in an academic class you know this is like theory what you can't make work you have to talk about stuff if everyone is silent and people are not reading their the essays they're not coming prepared they're not screwing the instructor they have their education they have their knowledge it's us who's going to suffer and there was something about the dynamic in the artist like this is maybe not as cool as doing actual physical projects you know going to the academic is like something that now again i'm generalizing there were different students who were much more involved and all that but overall i feel like that part the academic was pretty weak also cca at that time started doing theses which we didn't have which i thought was a great thing just you know this is still you know getting a ba degree i mean this is college you're supposed to know to write essays you're supposed to do research you're supposed to present not in the art institute at the time maybe they change i don't know when leaving school did you feel like you were prepared for the real world what do you mean by the real world <laughs> i think that's an excellent question in and of itself <laughs> the the uh, the arts world the industry the business all of this stuff like i mean it's one of those things like when i graduated i was incredibly arrogant and i was like okay i got all this shit figured out i can do this and you get out there and then you're like oh fuck oh no i didn't know any of that <laughs> i feel like graduate school was one of the learning posts on my way you know there were different steps my undergraduate degree in English literature was really formative. It created a foundation for me of 
learning and scholarship and conceptual framework that I still stand on today. Graduate school was really about figuring out the trade, the practice, how to be my best making self, you know, and so didn't really, what I was after for graduate school didn't really relate to doing things like the business of art. It really just was the purest. The Art Institute as a school is really about pure form and concept like the purity of art. I don't know. I would say that, that the school really was about that for me and, and other schools are different, you know, and, and it wasn't about a school of thought. The teachers weren't teaching a school of thought. They wanted you to dig deep and be exactly who you were supposed to be as a maker. So then, you know, moving into the world, I thought after I will figure the professional side out and tried different things. And I think we're all probably still trying to figure that out. Even those who are our teachers are probably still trying to figure out that life work balance and how much time you spend trying to make money and how much time do you try to spend freelancing and how much time do you try to spend making? It kind of is an ongoing art, (laughs) but I think the art Institute prepared me for what I really needed. It gave me the confidence to pursue my own work and vision. And it gave me contacts and and a community of, of friends that I am still close to and meet with today, some of them in critique groups. And it gave me an understanding of what working artists did and, and what that looked like in, in a practical sense. Like that was really the question I wanted answered. What is it? to be an artist, a working artist in the world. And I it wasn't surrounded by artists in my own life. I, you know, my family did very different things. So that was what I needed to know. Like how do you how do you do this? How what can this look like? What what is the juggle or what I didn't know. And that was where the teachers, you look at them and you see how they're doing it. And it can that can be a very different package. Maybe they're teaching and then they're working on their own work in summers, maybe they're doing editorial work. It could be, you know, a number of things. So that was really valuable to me. I think I was naive, so I felt prepared. We all were. Don't worry about it. Yeah. So I wasn't worried. I just got into my studio and I painted every day. And then I was lucky enough to get this gallery. So, you know, you have a show and you know you're going to have a show. You have to make the work. So, you know, you can't say, I'm sorry, I changed my mind. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do this. So, I mean, it's just like through pressure, you get the work done. And then, you know, you feel so good about it and you just keep doing it. It's a great feeling to do a body of work and show it. This is something I, I... have taught my students to really focus on one thing and learn how to do it well. If you want to get your work out there, do a body of work, a series. And anyway, so I started doing that and I just, I loved it. And so I, it sustained me and I wanted to keep doing it. 
I don't know if I felt prepared, maybe in terms of doing my artwork and being, you know, being able to develop a project and go through with the whole work and having the discipline, I was very well prepared. Uh, I think, I think I actually could have done that even before grad school coming out of, of the art school in Germany, because I was very individual focused, you know, you didn't get assignments in Germany. You, you went in there knowing that you, you were, were doing, you, you were doing your own, your own work from the beginning, actually. So that, that part, I think I was very well prepared was I prepared for for all the other stuff that came with it and that I didn't quite quite know, you know, as we were saying, the, the, the thing about writing about your work and marketing yourself. No, I was not prepared for that at all. That came as a surprise kind of and something that I only, only slowly caught up with and never caught up with the uh, marketing part until up to today. I do not do that in a in a any functional way unfortunately was there a second part to your question nope that's enough how do i see it today well yeah i mean the question the question was like you know it's like one of those things like when i got out of grad school i thought i was like okay i understand it i understand how the art world works i can do this i can play this game and now looking back, I was so naive. Like I did not understand how to play the game. There were so many, because part of it is there were so many things that I feel like part maybe because of our age or maybe because of our instructors or whatever, they didn't tell us, you know, so like maybe we weren't ready to hear it or understand it or whatever. But like now hearing some of the same things that were said to me in art school make a lot more sense because of having experiences that, you know, right out of art school, I didn't have those experiences, but now I have the real experiences and I'm like, oh, oh, that's what they meant by that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah I, I remember I remember one 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 teacher kept saying to me, me, yes, that's all great work, but what is your commodity? And I was like, is this something I should be concerned about? Is this something I should be thinking about? I had no answer to the question. I was just totally overwhelmed by that question. Looking back, I would say things turned out really good. So there's nothing I can say that I I don't feel like a sense of, of like I missed something. I don't think I missed something. You know, one could question whether I missed a terrific art career as an active artist, but I think I made a clear choice, which I'm fully, you know, kind of settled with and and I feel great about. It's nothing, you know, I do have a camera and it's, I always have kind of the, the kind of the most up-to-date camera the market has to offer. It just sits in a bag, honestly. So, you know, maybe I need to feel that I have the tools if I ever want to make use of them. But the fact that I don't do it means that I still don't have the passion for it. I mean, I know how to do it if I wanted to. Not to say that I will instantly, you know, put a show on or or someone will even want to show my work. But that passion is is for me at least it's not it's not there so the one thing i would you know i guess the whole conversation with you is also about you know 
graduating from art school and, you know, how has life turned on, you know, who is in the arts, who is not. And in, and for me, it, it just turned out that um, my passion went for biking. I mean, my passion used to be photography and it shifted toward mountain biking, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> well, I've loved it. I mean, I just, I love my life. I love being an artist. I'm so glad I went to SFAI. I think it was a wonderful school. It was perfect for me. I think of Sam Chikalian a lot and Pat Klein and you probably, Brett Reichman, they were painting teachers. So for me, they were important, uh, really supported me. Pat Klein in particular and Pagan Brook. And I don't know, being an artist is, is a great life, I think. For me, it's it's been wonderful, and um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very happy in the last twenty years for yeah taking that route. But to a certain extent, you have also got to admit that the schooling, like at the time, so we're talking, you know, to school, higher education, twenty years ago, they weren't teaching us about the idea of making money from your art. They were, you know, focusing on uh, craftsmanship, concepts, art history, theory. all these kinds theory. of things, theory, but nothing about how to actually do, uh, make a life as a practicing artist. They never even tried to teach us that. <laughs> no, this is true. Yeah, there must, maybe there's a contract or something with, some some devil over here and another one over here that says, "Oh, don't tell them, don't tell them. Let them let them flounder. See how creative they really are." <laughs> uh, and those, I mean, there's there's lots of successful you know people that probably came out of the years that we were there and before and after. You know, they they find their way. You know, whether it's just a good you know, good luck or timing or, or it's actual, you know, good artwork. Or business savvy. I mean, there are many Biz, different yeah, reasons. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the other thing now, you know, you think about that. Yeah. So 20 years ago, how it's all set up, how it's set up, you know, kind of, you know, the, the internet's just getting started, but you know, how it used to be. And I worked at, at, a, at art galleries, you know, uh, through my, my, you know, my time uh, chasing this whole thing and you, you know, you see it from the other side, but you have, you have galleries, you know, this is, you know, there's no Etsy out there. There's no, uh, uh, you know, Artnet or, you know, whatever. Etsy. That's your go-to place for <laughs> sorry, art. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Uh, there, that's another conversation too. Artsy, I believe is what you meant to say. Artsy. Artsy. Uh, yeah, art net, uh, art, uh, art, whatever. Saatchi now. Sa yeah, Saatchi. Yes, yes. I think I've got my stuff on there somewhere. We all do. Everybody yeah. does. And it no, never sells. I, out of all the people I've ever spoken to, only one person has ever sold one thing through Saatchi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So in our minds, we're told, you know, you got to get a gallery. You You go to the gallery. Or you you court the gallery, whether you're just hanging out there all the time, the one that you really want to be in, or uh, or you're sending your stuff to all the time, you know, trying to catch the eye, you know. 
and you know i think most of the times it just it doesn't work out and you you end up you know going to you know somewhere down the street you know the, the little guy or you know i had some luck in the beginning and for you know a while after with galleries you know and i've sold some art over the years uh you know never got got rich off of it but but it was like yeah you, you this is the way you do it if and if you don't do it this way you know you're going to you know you're going to you're going to fail and maybe i don't know maybe my, the luck that i had in the beginning again comes back to you know i was just i was just concentrating on making the art you know i'm just making the art i'm in the right place and the you know the right person saw the work and and it went from there but I mean, I was never, I was never chasing, chasing down the, you know, the gallerist to please love my art. So it just happens. And I think that a lot of the, you know, the good stuff gets seen because people are looking for that. And not to say that my stuff is good stuff, but <laughs> I don't know. Somebody liked it. But now, now you think about it, the market has become something completely different. You still have the galleries, you know, they have to change too. They're, they're there to make money for the most part. You know, there's, there's the, you know, the big time dealers that are making money that, uh, you know, you, I suppose in the beginning were, you know, they were there for the artists. They're, they're trying to find, you know, and promote uh, something that they believe in and, and, uh, trying to help help an artist I, I don't know what you believe on that stuff but now all those artists that couldn't get into a gallery can now do their own thing right so now we now we see right now now we can we, we can see all the all the bad art <laughs> on Etsy on Etsy <laughs> no the bad art's on Instagram oh yes Instagram. <laughs> So now there's here's all the artists. Okay, they were yeah, they were all hiding. So now that everything's saturated with all the artists, and I guess you could be a gallery if you wanted to be a gallery on the internet, you know, on on whatever platform you want to be on. So it seems to me that in the end, and in the beginning, in my mind, it's like I'm I'm just going to promote myself to the best of my abilities, you know, uh, uh, not to, not to get rich, but just to be able to keep making art. I promote myself. I, I, I make enough work to have a show every year and I, I get a space donated or I, I pay for, it. I pay whatever to, to have a show and maybe I lose money. Maybe I don't. And luckily for me, I, almost Every time I I came out ahead, I never I never went in the hole, you know, which is you know that's that's perfectly what fine that's what I wanted that's what I wanted to do and I and people got to see the work and they bought the work so. Do I remember correctly? There was an undergrad class, not for us. I think it was an awesome. undergrad. It was more for undergrads who probably didn't know they have to make slides. But I do remember explanations on how to write your bio or you know like the tone the third person the you know basic stuff like that i know now it sounds but i think at the time i wasn't old news and now it is 
obviously. Anyway, that was that. I'm not saying it was amazing. <laughs> I'm saying it. They tried, but that's not enough. And it didn't really help much because it, it didn't tell you keep in touch with your professors. You know, keep talking. Keep in touch with your colleagues. And keeping in touch with your classmates. Exactly. If you had the opportunity now to go teach a, a professional practices course, what would be something that you think is very important for the younger generation to know that you sort of maybe learned in your life after graduate school? I mean, I think, you know, I think it's about showing up and I think it's about making the connections with people and a lot of it I think is confidence and you know some people I look and it's like wow you really are fake it till you make it but I think other people genuinely sort of exude that like it's there's such a difference between like the millennial art world and I feel like what we had and it's just like I don't know obviously this is good I have this many followers it's like no it's not obvious but I mean I remember writing thank you notes back in the day and like handwritten thank you notes and when people would buy something or collectors I would write them a note or if I had the chance to meet them or sign the piece for them or something like that like that kind of stuff was important to me and I really you know, both Heather Marks and her husband, Steve Zavatero, when they had the gallery, I mean, I'm still friends with them. They were invited to my daughter's wedding and like with Nancy Hoffman now in New York and she's lovely. And I, I really make sure to keep up that relationship and not take it for granted. So honestly, I don't know what the answer is now and sort of getting into the art world now, really. Because people are like, well, can you, well, you haven't had a show, you know, she hasn't given you a show in X number of years. And it's like, well, yeah, because there's all these other artists and it's her prerogative, what she puts on the wall. And the model has changed so much. Like I think galleries have put so much time into going to these art fairs and spending gazillions of dollars going to art fairs. Like I would hate to be a gallerist right now and have that pressure of shipping work and showing up and installing and, standing under the fluorescent lights for three days. Yeah, I, I always just, I feel like you gotta be gracious and kind and try to talk to as many people as you can and uh, keep working. <laughs> so I took a few professional practice classes in New York after school. I was, would not have taken one at the Art Institute because it was such a purist. I just wanted to learn the practice of art and I'd take in everything about the art making. And I figured well, I'll just figure it out when I get out there. But then I think the professional practices classes taught me you know, that there is a structure there in place, that, there, that while you've feel like you're just freewheeling it. There, there are some very valuable things to know. So those were helpful. And I, maybe that would have been good. I don't know that I would have done it, but I think there was a professional practices class that I didn't take there. I don't know. Maybe you, don't you need didn't to miss anything. So 
they eat, I didn't miss it. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess, I guess that's what I've been trying to figure out for, since the art Institute is how do you translate this passion and thing that you're good at to into, you know, using other skills that maybe are more raw and how to get better at all of that. Just self-promotion doing, you know, succeeding by one, making the work, but by promoting yourself. And now that it's become an easier thing to do, get creative now, you're trying to, you know, figure out what, what that looks like and, and how to make it, you know, a successful venture. But, you know, when I think about like a, a gallery with all that it can do for you, unless you're, uh, you know, something really, really different and special, you're not going to, you're not going to get rich off of it. You know, even if you get into a really great gallery, you know, maybe you have a show, maybe you won't, you know, you're not going to make enough to, to just make art all the time. It's going to be difficult. So in, in a gallery, it'll take generally 50% of whatever your work is selling for. So in my mind now, it's like, why, why don't I just, you know, set my, my price for my market, for my art, and take half of that, whatever that is, and, and advertise myself. Take that money and, and put it into some algorithm in, in Facebook or, uh, or uh, Instagram or whatever it is. And, and actually advertise my work so that people can see it and it goes to the right people. And now you can get to the right people. You know, there's a pool of people that, that, uh, that love this hashtag. This is their hashtag that they want to look at. It's actually a legitimate idea. The, the idea of like, basically like, so you, you work up your retail price of a piece of art and then you say, okay, instead of paying a gallery to sell this on my behalf, I'm going to take 50% of that retail price and put it towards advertisements on Instagram or Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it's an easy thing to do now. I haven't actually done it yet, but maybe I will. I was going to say like, that's a coming plan. Yeah. You know, I mean, it seems logical to me. You make that investment and it's, and it's for you. And you're going to do it constantly. And uh, a gallery will promote you like when your show comes up for the most part. You won't have the connections that the gallery might have, you know. Yeah, but there's there's never even a guarantee that those connections will work. I know. I So I, I think that self-promotion is, is the thing that should be taught now in the education you know, sector. And maybe it is. I, I, I don't know. You would know better than me. Is, is, or are these things being taught now? Some schools certainly do it, but not not enough. Yeah. Well, there's a saying, there's two types of artists. There are the, the fortress artists and then there's the, a constellation artist. So the fortress artist is the artist that has all the bricks in line and the, all the bricks look the same. So a lot of cases, painters are fortress artists, like Edward Shea's a fortress artist, Lichtenstein's a fortress artist, and they keep on bringing their, building their castle, and their castle's impenetrable, but that's what the market likes. The market likes fortress artists. Whereas then you have constellation artists, which are artists maybe like Mike Kelly, and I'm only naming Western artists because we're, we're talking about in relationship to school and stuff like that. Of course, there's other artists, but for people to relate, 
there's two things happening. There's the fortress artist and the constellation. So the constellation artist, let me describe more. It's, it's basically you are a planet or you are the sun and these things are orbiting you and you're just trying to grab all these ideas and these things and you're experimenting and, and taking these things into your orbit. Now, these things exist all there's not one or the other there's a spectrum between all these things but market likes fortress artists the the constellation artists are more the risky more experimental ones that i think are the more interesting ones you know and i always want to strive to be more of a constellation artist and i think that's what i'm doing especially even to the point where i'm not even artist centric anymore as in i'm not placing myself in the middle i'm building a community with other artists and stuff like that so and that's why I added the plus to last my last name. It's uh, when I started working with AI, so it's Peter Wu plus. The plus is silent when you pronounce it, but it. <laughs> I'm just laughing because you're laughing. <laughs> just to be clear, is that yeah. plus or the plus symbol? Plus symbol. But for me, I was working with AI, and I realized that that the things that it was producing sometimes better than what I was producing. And and even like text-wise, it was producing things that are way more, say, poetic or stuff like that. So I started collaborating with AI and I realized that it was no longer just about me. And then when the pandemic happened, it just made sense to carry the plus and just keep that in a certain way because uh, once I started doing the gallery and it was like me creating the environment and the context and curating and then having all these artists participate, it was me plus this community in a certain way. Yeah, definitely. Like everything that has to do with uh, marketing yourself or with, you know, writing proposals for exhibitions, for artist residencies, uh, writing grants, all of those things, they were not taught at all. And I felt totally overwhelmed by them in the beginning I had no freaking idea luckily there were a few people who you know gave me some advice on it and I kind of learned how to do it a little bit I don't think I'm a very good grant writer uh, I have had help with that sometimes but grants are hard to come by anyways as an individual artist in the United States you know if you are not a, an organization or anything and I, I mean, I have been kind, quite successful in applying to artist residencies. Uh, I've done a lot of artist residencies, really a lot. And uh, so, you know, at some point you figure out how to do that. But I think that's definitely something that I would say they really, really neglected in our arts education, where they just did not teach you that at all and in germany not at all i mean none of it it was almost like we are not talking about that that's something that just needs to come naturally and you know like all of that we were totally sheltered from any of that of you know anything that had to do with exhib exhibiting and you know how to, how you how you do that and I don't think SFAI did a good job at it either. We didn't have any instruction on it at all. And I think in one of your previous interviews, I actually heard you say that you felt like, you know, that uh, we, are, we are trained as artists and not as writers. And are any writers actually, are they asked to, to draw an image, a picture of, of what their next book is about? And, but we are always asked to write about our projects, right? And I, I, I'm totally with you on that. I'm not a terrible writer, but I'm also not a great writer. I can write about my work, but where, where I, I think where I 
have difficulties if it's if it comes to grants and you have to kind of put your mind into the other person's you know what do they want and they have all these uh, requirements you have to research the grant giver and you know kind of it's kind of like this whole other world how they will be looking at your at your proposal and what they are interested in which might be something completely different than what you are interested in only that there is a way for you to actually formulate your work differently so that it fits within their idea right but that is something i'm not very good at but that is the game that, that yes that is the game exactly yes that is the game exactly and that is some something that i'm not very good at well, but you do see, I have to admit, you do seem very good at getting residencies because like you, and you seem to have done it from reasonably early on. I saw them all the way back at like to 2006, I think on your CV, but like, I didn't even realize residencies were quite as worthwhile to do and, and, and of a benefit and, and all this kind of stuff. Like I didn't even understand the residencies were like, I always knew about them, but I was always like, oh, well, that's something somebody else does. I didn't really think that was ever something that was an opportunity for me. But now I've realized that it was an opportunity for me that I neglected. And But you seem to have done it really, really well. And so like, how has the, the, these opportunities of you, of these residencies helped you or not helped you, I guess, in your career? Well, I mean, actually, I did my first artist residency, I think in that same summer when, when we graduated in 2001 and i know i got the i i made my application according to you know this was before the internet was very big so uh there were these folders down at the uh i can't remember student uh what was it called student relations i can't remember what what the office was called at sfai but i looked in these folders and i you know and there were all these residency programs and i applied to that one and i got in and I went that same summer and I really loved it. And um, that was a, a place called Art Farm in Nebraska. And after that, I just kept applying to them. And they really, really, really helped me over those crazy years after I moved back to Germany in 2002 and then came back to the U.S. in 2005 and didn't quite know what was going to happen because I didn't have a green card yet. And I was here as basically just kind of an extended visitor and I couldn't take a job and all of that. The residencies really, really helped me getting through those years and doing my and being able to do my artwork, being able to sustain myself. Because at that time, most of the residencies were free or they even gave you a little bit of a scholarship or something. So I got by with almost no you know, I didn't have to, uh, I had some savings, but I didn't need to invest a lot of my money actually, because I had so many residencies. And every time I was back in, in the Bay Area, I would just have a sublet, which at that time was pretty easy to get still, you know, for a few months, and then I would go off to the next residency. So really, those were really where I developed most of my arts projects. Most of the things I do now originated at some sort of artist residency. So yes, I, I really love artist residencies. They were very instrumental in, for me in, in becoming an artist and you know a self-sufficient artist who is just uh, doing their own, her own work and 
yeah, they were probably almost like, I don't know, maybe they were an extension of my educa arts education in a sense. You know, I don't know that they really address the determination and the time, the devotion it takes to really continue making work, continue developing the work, continue, you know, getting, trying to get the work out in the world, if you want to get the work out in the world. It, like, takes your whole being in a way. I, I mean, it's, it's such a focus of my life. And I, I feel that if you don't give it a lot of time and you don't feel that way, it's just, you know, it would be really hard to get the work out and like into galleries or museums. It would be impossible, it seems. Like you really need to be devoted to this, this part of your life. It becomes, you know, like I, let's say, I don't have any food for dinner or something, you know, and, and Stephen is very wonderful about that but it's like that's got to go to the side I don't have time to go to the food store you know I have to finish a painting or and so it becomes you know sort of number one you know in your life and so it really does help to be with a partner who uh, honors that Stephen is great if I'm down in my studio he I could be in here for eight hours it could be nine o'clock at night we haven't eaten dinner he does not he doesn't come down and say where's dinner or anything like that which is great or are we going to have dinner even you know so he really respects my time in the studio and i you know i think it's so important at least for me it is well i mean that's part of the thing that like you know back even just 20 years ago when we were in art school the impression so like and there's a difference between like reality and fact and the impression the impression was is that artists could just sit in their studio, smoke cigarettes, drink coffee, and like do their bohemian lifestyle. And like, that's the life, the romanticized idea of being an artist. But even back then, it was never true. It was just always sort of the impression. And when the reality is that we, I feel like my opinion is we should have been taught a little bit more about the business side of how to be a practicing artist. Because while the Art Institute was amazing, it was my best education, I have no problems with the schooling, except the fact that I don't feel like I was prepared with any of the knowledge or skill set for how to run the business of my arts. I think you're right. We didn't get any of that. No. I mean, they were great with craftsmanship, concepts, like skills. Like they were great with all that. Art history, even. Mark Van Proyen, love the guy. But. And Berkson. Remember Berkson? I don't remember Berkson. You don't remember don't, Berkson? No. Mark Van Proyen was a bit larger than life. Yeah. So he's sort of. A, <laughs> he's, he's brilliant. Yeah. But I mean, but they didn't prepare us for the realities that we were going to be facing. And I think these days with things like social media and Instagram and the push of like being extremely productive and, and selling your own work instead of giving it to a gallery to do all that, that sort of business side of it kind of stuff, it puts a lot more pressure on us these days. So much. Yeah. And I think for the main part, artists don't want to do that anyway. I mean, we want to make art. I got into the arts because I did not want to work in business. Uh, yeah. 
I got into the arts because of Say Anything, the movie, John Cusack. I like, I don't want to produce anything made or sold or make anything sold or produced. And I don't want to sell anything produced or made. Like, I just want to hang with your daughter. That's it. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is, it's, yeah, it's really, it's a difficulty to think about the business end of, of art making and having to do it all by yourself. I, I don't think I could navigate that because I'm just not interested in that. And so if you're not interested, it's really hard to tackle it, you know, if if you are. Another thing I think uh, today, you really have to, or I see people that really make it talk, they really push their art verbally. They're talking about it. You say, how are you? They say, I just had a show here. I just had a show there and I am going to have a museum show. And it, it's all about talking about your work. And I mean, that's not my personality. So it's really hard for me to do that. But I, I see it a lot and I think, oh, okay, this is all part of it. You know, you can't be reticent. You can't, you have to really get yourself out there. You have to lead with what you're doing and what you're showing and and all of that and so for those of us who are not like that it's it's tough <laughs> it, it feels yeah it feels tough what did you ever do any like grants or residencies no. or anything like that no okay you know, I love my house, and so I don't want to do a residency, although it looks like fun because I would love to, you know, be somewhere and just do my art. But my studio feels so much like that. When I'm in here, I mean, no one bothers me. It's not like I have a lot of kids running around the house that I, it's not like I have anything I need to get away to, you know, from. And just to do these residencies, because like you have to do a residency, I'm not willing to do that. I mean, I know that's the thing. You have to have a lot of residency things on your bio today, or it looks good if you do, but I'm not willing to do something I don't really feel like I need to do just so it shows up on my bio. So no, I haven't, I haven't done that and I have not applied for grants. Well, well, like you also mentioned, like, you know, the sort of the salesmanship nature of it these days. And it's interesting because I've noticed there is actually a distinct difference between American and European artists in that way, in like, especially like grant writing and then even social media, the Europeans are much more like, this is my exhibition here and that's it. And whereas Americans are like, I have this amazing, fabulous opportunity to you know participate in this thing with all these amazing people and like tag a hundred people in it, you know, kind of thing, and they go crazy with it. Like it, yeah. it's something that like at growing up, we I felt like or in school and just in general in the art world, I felt like we were encouraged to actually. I take it back. I was told by a teacher specifically at the Corcoran, Frank DePerna is the one who told me is that like that our role in writing like artist statements and things like this and bios is to be our own cheerleader. Like we have to like convince people that we're worth being interested in. And that's not true in Europe. They don't do that at all. And that never has been their way. And it's very, I found it very interesting, the difference between these two. I like the European way better. I do too. 
yeah, that cheerleadery sort of being, I mean, it's being, to me, it's being almost to, it's, it's a fine line to being arrogant. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I'm, I'm really, I don't want to say shy that way, but I, yeah, it's just not my way. I mean, for me, an artist statement is you just don't use all these gobbledygooky art terminology, just say very succinctly what the work is about, what you hope the viewer gets from the work. And that's it, you know, without trying to sell the work. You don't want to say anything negative about your work, of course, but yeah, I like the European way too. So when I graduated undergrad, I think I took a year off or maybe like nine months and I was like, oh, I have to keep, I have to go back. I can't, I can't uh, regress into this lifestyle that I had that I'm comfortable with uh, prior to moving to San Francisco. I moved back to Sacramento and I really wanted to go back to grad school. I applied to Yale and of course all the big schools and I was accepted of course to SFAI. And I said, if I go to SFAI, I'm going to study something different than I did undergrad. Undergrad, it was mostly painting and drawing, interdisciplinary. And in graduate school, it was sculpture and new genres. So I really enjoyed that different viewpoint. When I was a young student, mostly a painter and drawer, I really despised the new genres, mostly because of it came across as very uh, elitist and simplistic. And I didn't completely understand the focus on the conceptual ramifications of that work. Many of the work seemed very silly and trivial, uh, but now I realize it's also important. So uh, the same with photography. I think that perhaps, and I think that there was a class that started to do this, and I think you might have taken it. I don't know how Professional practices. Yes, I didn't take that class. I took it. It was horrible. It, it taught us nothing. So I think instead of professional practice is possible pathways for postgraduate pathways for students that don't want to go into, into teaching pathways for students that want to pursue the art world. And when I mean the art world, uh, for example, someone like Hinde Wiley, I'm sorry, was that his right last name? <laughs> I don't know. If it, but Hinde did the painting of uh, Obama. Uh, he was my classmate. An undergraduate, so like oh, I was like he was our classmate. I'm like what? So I think that most students, including myself, were in that mindset. Like I want to be in the art world. I want to have a gallery. I want to be able to just live off of the funds that I get from making art and making the reality visible that our school is or the art sfai was specifically that teaching wasn't ever really mentioned it was how are you going to participate in this contemporary art world so I, that's a really that's a really hard question to ask because i don't think that education should necessarily direct you for your future, it should help you create di different uh, circumstances and moments for you to decide, what am I going to do with this now? You know, how am I going to effectively use this, whether I'm 
uh, create a business or whether I go into teaching or whether I try to pursue the rat race, which is the <laughs> art world, you know, how much bullshit you're going to have to put up with. Yeah. To wrap this up, I'd like to thank you for listening all the way to the end of the conversation. We would appreciate it if you would share the podcast with your friends, family, co-workers, studio mates, or anybody with an interest in arts and creative endeavors. The building and strengthening of the arts and creative community is at the core of our mission for this podcast. They can listen and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are produced by 5014. The audio was edited by Cush Audio Services, and the music was created by Pete Bybee. The Wise Fool Art Podcast is supported in part by an EEA grant from Iceland, Liechtenstein, and Norway in an effort to work together for a green, competitive, and inclusive Europe. We would also like to thank our partners Hunt Kastner in Prague, Czech Republic, and Kunstcentrene i Norge in Norway. Links to EEA grants and our partner organizations are available in the show notes or on our website, wisefoolpod.com.